0: To do so, go to thedsrnetwork.com and click on membership. It's that easy. But don't delay. Today's rates will only be available for a few more weeks. Join us. Support us. Go to thedsrnetwork.com right now. Thank you. Hi, this is Riley Fessler.
1: This weekend marks two years since the beginning of Russia's intensified invasion of Ukraine. Our episodes from the Archive and from the Silo this week are looks back at the earliest days of the conflict from DSR and Foreign Office. We hope you find them informative. Hi, and welcome back to Foreign Office. I'm Michael Weiss, Director of Special Investigations at the Free Russia Foundation. I'm also News Director at New Lines Magazine, where for the last week, our man in Kyiv has been uh, John Sweeney, a good and dear friend of mine, a former BBC journalist of high renown. John, you're in Kyiv, you're dressed ridiculously like a hobo out of P.G. Woodhouse, but let's leave that to one side for now. It was a grim day for you. You've gone to the Babi Yar Holocaust Memorial, which the Russians bombed yesterday.
2: No, I didn't. You didn't didn't go
1: there. Okay. I didn't go there.
2: I went to the TV tower. To the TV tower. Okay. Tell us a little bit about what happened and what you saw. So um, here's a memento from my trip to the TV tower. This is part of the Russian missile. What happened was that... um, the Russians hit the TV tower in the centre of Kiev at six o'clock last night. Five people were uh, declared to be dead. There's a curfew on at eight and it's foolish to move around at night, even before the curfew. So I waited until eight o'clock this morning and I, I don't have a car. I don't have a driver. I'm here freelance. So I, I hitched a ride. Nice guy called Vlad uh, picked me up, gave me a ride to the TV town. There's a lot of checkpoints, a lot of anxiety, Ukrainian militia. Like, these are ordinary folk with guns who can be a little heavy at times. I did get arrested the other day, but generally it's all right. So part of the reason I wear the comedy orange hat is that I am the least martial looking person in town. It's a deliberate thing and what far it works. And the moment I just, you know. And I'm afraid it's really cheesy. When we roll up, I wind down the window and say in my very, very, very English voice, "Uh, hello, uh, British reporter. And some of the time, Mike, I've actually said, God save the Queen. And some of the time, the Ukrainians say, God save the Queen. It's real because we gave them these new uh, next generation light anti-tank uh, weapons quite early on. And from what
1: I gather from our other man in Kyiv, Oz Katerji, that the uh, the NLAW anti-tank systems, I mean, everyone's got them in Kyiv, waiting for the yeah. Russians to roll down and sort of meet steel and hell, hellfire. So it, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a city easily occupied.
2: No, 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 no. no I mean, honestly, like... I can punch through because I'm British and I project British and I'm wearing a silly orange hat. But um, it was tough. But actually, I, I'm a, although I'm going on a bit, I was the first reporter inside the TV tower complex yeah. this morning. And I met a guy called Ross, who, before the war, was a hot air balloon pilot. <laughs> and I, now he's a cut pretty terrifying mean looking guy and you can see him on my videos at John Swinney Raw I I interviewed the guy and he's got his gun he's got his hoodie he looks a a, a mean and nasty guy but actually he was a hot air balloon pilot and I said it uh, when I said goodbye to him I said by the way what when all this dark nonsense is over I'm coming back and I'm going for a ride in your balloon and we, uh, we did that anyway it's that's what the conversations in uh, Kyiv are always like. Yeah. Um, it, it's a constant dip, uh, roller coaster between grim and then there's a moment of light and humor. And um, these moments of light and humor are precious. He shows me the damage. The uh, TV tower is massive, kind of Eiffel Tower esque, but red and white, huge structure disappearing into the early morning fog. No obvious damage to that. But the control building at its feet has been blasted. And I see the back end of the blast window smashed. All rubble come out this way. We walk around to the front where the missile landed and there's a hole the size of a big SUV or a kind of large beach hut. In, in the structure of the building. It's a great big hole. Somebody, one of the workers has been, um, was walking in front of it at the time and he, was, he or she, uh, their corpse had been removed but there was a puddle of bright red blood uh, directly there and this is when Ross picked up this thing. This is from Russia without love. And this stuff so that people know it moves at something like 900 miles an hour after it's hit the ground... And as it spins, um, it can kill you in any which way. We moved out of the... Um, just just to stop
1: the... it, it, you, yeah. this killed five people at least, right? And yeah. injured at so, least so five wait. more, yeah. So
2: wait. Yeah. So this yeah. guy was a worker in the TV tower thing. He's not a fighter. He's not a soldier. As far as I know, I don't know. But I'm, I'm assuming he's a worker there. We walk out of the complex cross the street. But what's happened is there were four missiles and two missiles overshot. Uh-huh. And they hit a row of shops, some of which were still burning. And what I saw and remember, I'm there at something like 8.25 this morning, so very, very early on. There's a number of journalists who have come out to this scene, which is more accessible than the tower. And they we can see either ambulance workers or people from the morgue working with three bodies, one of which is an old man. And I'm there before the ambulance people or the morgue people put a blanket over him and they've got a dark grey van and they put the blanket over him. And then a little further back towards the shops, I can see and I'm standing about 100 yards away, maybe 50 yards away. I don't want to get closer. When I do a video, the scene is in the background, but what you can clearly see is the the people from the morgue um, putting a blanket over the bodies, and this is the body of the mother and the child. So this morning, let's remember that the Kremlin is saying that this war is not harming any civilians. Well, this morning I saw that that was a lie. This morning I saw three civilians. The old man was clearly an old man. The mother and child were clearly a mother and child. So the Kremlin is lying. It is killing civilians, and I saw that with my own eyes this morning, Mike.
1: The idea that they're even attempting to use precision-guided munitions to take out military infrastructure. They went after the TV tower, presumably because they want to keep Ukrainian uh, television off the airwaves, right? They don't want the Ukrainians to be able to communicate to their own people about the devastation and what's happening. Um, but this this seems to me, John, like a very clear-cut case of a war crime, that's been perpetrated, and the fact that they they will have known that uh, one of the world's most famous Holocaust memorials was right down a few meters away from the TV tower, and they still bombed it.
2: Oh, so we don't know. So I'm so the problem is I was in such a frantic rush. Is the um, the TV tower close to Babiyar?
1: Yes, I don't know the exact uh, geographical location, but I, I'm told it's only a few meters
2: away. Uh-huh. OK, so. And Bobby so, Yar was
1: damaged in the attack on the TV tower.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. OK, yes. Yeah. There's so, actually so there's new. video
1: floating around now of the moment that President Zelensky learned of this.
2: Yeah. And he said he King, says Russia, congratulations.
1: congratulations. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, 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 Babi, so, right. So I didn't realize, I mean, I didn't have my guidebook on me this morning, but that makes sense. Uh, what I need to do is look at a map. Of, have you got a map up uh, up there?
1: I can send um, you one and I've, I'm sure uh, I'll, yeah. I, I'll find one and post it on Twitter. But yeah, uh, yeah. so apparently there's there's also so a yes, Jewish, so
2: therefore it's there's possible. a cemetery there as well. Yeah. Um, so what's happened is that they've killed, that stuff wouldn't, like the dead cannot be killed, but there the was enough spread. The, like, these missiles are big, the, the size of a... I mean, I don't know how big they were, but the hole they punched in the building was massive, and two overshots, and, and it's easy that the one that overshot would have also smashed graves in Babi Yar. Obviously, that's offensive to anybody who... Who understands that the Holocaust was was uh, the darkest moment of the 20th century? But they've killed they've killed people, uh, you know, civilians today. So that is for me the greater war crime. But Babi Yar is an insult to civilization and to humanity. So this war is not going well for Vladimir Putin.
1: No, I mean I've just seen images. Uh, there was an attempted Russian landing operation in Nikolaev. and it looks like. Uh, maybe two dozen Russian. I, I don't know what the what they are. Naval infantry, I would imagine, um, on their hands and knees with their their hands rather behind their heads. They've been captured. Look, I mean, I got off the phone with a uh, former. Uh, U.S. Army colonel today, who said that he's been just looking at one account um, online, which is an an excellent resource for open source intelligence called Oryx, who's been posting updates around the clock of captured or destroyed or simply deserted Russian equipment, everything from tanks to BTRs to advanced anti-aircraft systems, tractors literally pulling anti-aircraft systems down the road.
2: So So my favorite thing is, I mean, I actually, I can swear, can't I? The... Don't fuck with Ukrainian tractor, boys. There's actually an image of two Ukrainian tractors towing back a, a perfectly intact Russian um, armoured um, kind of artillery tank. I think it's firing um, um, uh, Grad missiles or something like that, which is worth 25 Million dollars, yeah. and these contractors are taking it away so that the Ukrainians can use it. Now, this is, you know, I, I, I find it. I think George Mombo tweeted, "This is um, uh, plowshares into swords." I mean, beautiful, beautiful imagery, and it's it can entirely consistent with my experience of Ukrainian fighters in uh, in in. Hilo. This is
1: the thing that's been so difficult to kind of. Um, well, first of all. You know, having been to Kiev only what three weeks ago, uh, so I was there from the end of January to the first week in February, when everything was quiet, life was carrying on as normal, people were out at bars, restaurants, shops. Uh, there was none of this siege mentality or siege conditions. I I kept doubting myself because everywhere I went and everyone I spoke to, from just the man in the street to the secretary of the National Security Council, to RADA deputies who had either been working for Petro Poroshenko's administration, trying to integrate Ukraine into the European Union, or who had been commandos fighting with the alpha unit of the SBU in Donetsk International Airport in one of the most pitched battles of the dirty war in the East in 2014. Every single person to a man and woman, we will pick up arms, we will fight, we will defend our country, Russia thinks that they can come here and liberate us, or that they're going to somehow we're going to welcome them with open arms and chocolates. Bullshit. That we're going to turn this into their graveyard. And look, I mean, we don't need to be too optimistic or rah rah about the way the war is going. Obviously, there's a humanitarian catastrophe unfolding. I've seen images from Kharkiv that are devastating. I mean, it looks like Guernica at this point. But this certainly is not going as swimmingly as the Russian general staff and Vladimir Putin will have planned or thought it would. Um, and also the, 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 the morale on the Russian side. I mean, if, if the social media posts and videos I've seen of soldiers who are captured POWs or simply run off and deserted their equipment is anything to to tell. The morale is in the toilet, whereas the morale on the Ukrainian side is quite high. The latest poll I saw, President Zelensky is polling above 90% now, approval. 88% of Ukrainians think they're going to win this war. So these are the kind of metaphysical aspects of the intangibles that do matter in conflicts such as these.
2: Yes. I, there's quite a few people saying, have, have spotted that rather than wearing a helmet and a flat jacket, I've got an orange hat and a duffel coat. And, and, and I'm, by the way, I'm not an idiot. I'm trying to uh, get myself a flat jacket and a helmet, but it, it's, uh, there's a run on the market right now. I should have bought one. I was, uh, before the war, I was foolish. I didn't, I kind of understood. Along with everybody else, that it wasn't going to happen because it was mad. It is mad to have done this war, and what what Putin has come up. Putin has got a Soviet KGB officer's mindset, and he thought people here would would greet his his troops with with as you say with flowers and parades and chocolates, and this is completely wrong. And there is nobody inside his dark and lightless bunker who has the moral courage to say, boss, this isn't working. Yeah. We'll see, but at the moment, what he's doing is he switched off Echo mosky he switched off TV Rain, he's tried to take out, he's taken out uh, Ukrainian TV um, by hitting the towers, you know, um, uh, control uh, building. But they'll they'll make it, they'll put it back on. You know, they'll It does feel like dance army for real. Yeah, right. everybody is up for a fight. Corporal Jones, from Corporal Jones to to Pike, everybody is up for a fight. I haven't spoken to... I can remember in Yugoslavia where people would come to me and say very quietly, I'm a, I'm a tito-nostalgist, i.e. people mourned the loss of of the Yugoslav um, compromise. yeah, um, Screwed by Milosevic, but nevertheless, there were people on all sides who mourned that loss. I'm not hearing anything like that. I haven't heard a single Ukrainian, while I've been in Kyiv, who's said, this is our fault, or this is partly our fault. Not one. one. And, And it is like, I would imagine, and I'm very old, but not that old, what it was like to be in Soho in 1940.
1: I think a big miscalculation, too, is that, you know, Putin is operating as though the last eight years simply didn't happen. He doesn't have an un- understanding of the, the law of unintended consequence and how, by taking Crimea and by kicking off this dirty war in Donbass, he has rallied the Ukrainian nation. He has rallied a sense of Ukrainian history and peoplehood and culture. He's truly made Ukraine more of an independent, sovereign country and society than it could have done on its
2: own. Mikey's and this- done, done worse slash better than that. He's created a fighting democratic Europe. Yeah. Well, that too. That too, for sure. He has created a free and democratic Ukraine, which really is going to fight for itself. But also, he has fired uh, some kind of adrenaline into the slightly creaking body of the European Union. And boy, you know, every Ukrainian can come and uh, work and live in Europe for the next three years. Nothing, no more questions. And the British government, which said the great thing about Brexit is we can make move decisions faster, has yet to catch up with the um, with the fantastic European Union. Yeah. And as um, I mean, you know, we threw away our European star in 2016 when we voted Brexit. I am more than happy for Ukraine to take our star, but I would respectfully ask the Ukrainians when they feel it proper and right, uh, to allow us uh, back into the European Union.
1: I'm, I've got the prestige power here on my side <laughs> as a happy citizen of the world and of the European Union.
2: Yes. And, but, and now but, but
1: my, my fellow Ukrainian citizens of Europe
2: as well. So there was a right-wing uh, uh, kind of talk show host in your language called Andrew Pierce, who is on LBC. And he asked me, how long are you staying, John? And I said, well... Um, mate, I voted Remain in London in 2016, and in 2022, I'm voting Remain in Kiev, too. It's the same thing. (laughs) uh, I mean, it is scary being here and frightening, and at the same time, it is also, it makes me feel proud to tell these stories.
1: Well, look, I I just want to put something across because, you know, it is true that the U.S. intelligence assessment about the likelihood of this war, and also broadly speaking, how it would go, has been quite good and quite accurate. But what has not, what has not panned out, at least not yet, are some of the drip-drip leaks to the press about Kiev will fall in a day or two days or three days. Now the latest projections are it's going to take several weeks. And then also Congress apparently was briefed yesterday where US intelligence was telling them, well, actually, this war will drag on for 10, 15, 20 years, and ultimately Russia will lose. I just want to I just want to put in perspective, assuming that's even ballpark accurate. Vladimir Putin will be close to 90 years old in 20 years, right? Assuming he doesn't have some kind of nanotech plan for living forever. I wouldn't put it <laughs> past him given his COVID restriction rules, you know, anal swabs and PCR tests for visiting dignitaries, you never know. But, you know, 20 years this war could drag on, according to US intelligence, and ultimately it ends with Russia's loss. I mean, that's what we're looking at now.
2: So the analysis I think is wrong. I think Russia will lose. I think Russia is losing and has lost the war. I felt that on day one, When the electricity and the internet was still on key, if you don't knock that out straight away, that's a bit rubbish, frankly, because the Russian soldiers aren't in it. Let's go back to the the, the tractor boys. Where's the crew of that armored thing that the tractor boys are pulling away? Where's the crew? They fucked off, didn't they? They fucked off. And the reason they ran into the woods,
1: or they're, they're, they're probably not going to be combat capable they've gone right?
2: home they've gone home they've either gone home to russia or they've gone home to their ukrainian granny and said hey hey granny you know and they may well end up fighting for the ukrainians because that's the good fight to have so i think that you the, the american intelligence network hasn't properly got to grasp what so vlad was knackered when he picked me up my driver and I um, paid him not that much money, I uh, let me think. I paid him something like 30 quid and he risked his life because some of the checkpoints are jumpy to take me to the TV tower and back again. And he'd never met me and all he saw was my British passport and he heard my accent. And then the hot air balloon pilot goes out of his way to look after me and show me everything And when his mates were getting a bit leery, the whole air balloon pilot had my back and everything was good. So this is, and this is totally consistent um, with, with, so American intelligence needs to listen. And and, and, and actually there must be some of them here, but they've got to get it into their thick skulls that the Ukrainians are gonna fight like tigers. By the way, I commend American intelligence on getting everything right up till now. But I think Putin's in trouble. I think that the oligarchs, I'm always worried about Roman Abramovich, Roman Abramovich's yacht, by the way. I hope it's safe. But they are in serious trouble. They've lost more than half the, the value. The ruble's tanked 40%, but they know what's coming, which is the Southern District of New York is going to come for their ill-gotten gain, gains, Look, I mean,
1: they they PNG'd 12 Russian spies in New York just the other day. I'm told that we can expect waves of PNGs across the world of Russian intelligence. And one of the things that I think this is designed to do is to incentivize defections. You know, I I spoke to a former CIA officer yesterday who said every embassy, meaning every U.S. embassy, every U.K. embassy in the world is going to hang out a shingle saying walk-ins welcome, you know, because the thing about these these Russian quote-unquote diplomats is when they're in the West, they don't want to go home. They didn't want to go home before, but they certainly don't want to go home to North Korea, which is what they're going to find, So, you by know?
2: The, by the way, Mike, Pyongyang is the only place that Russians can fly to now. Um, they, <laughs> is that true? Yeah, they, yeah. No, they can go to okay. China shortly. No, yeah, okay, but, so, hey, listen, don't ruin my joke. Uh, Sorry. But, <laughs> but Pyongyang and, and Beijing, Maybe Turkey, well, maybe Damascus, you know, have fun there. But I can't see young Russia tolerating this. So uh, long before, um, and I think the Ukrainians, they won't win the fight, but they won't lose it, just like Britain in the Second World War. And then something in Russia will happen, yeah, which will...
1: Well, look, I mean, everybody, everybody I've I've queried on this says the the likelihood of a coup or some kind of military putsch in in Russia has increased exponentially in the last week.
2: I was if I'm a Russian general and I'm saying, listen, my boys, my boys aren't fighting. And then Putin says, well, they're cowards. No, no, no. They don't want to fight. They're not cowards. They don't want to fight because this isn't our fight.
1: Well, keep in mind, too. Look, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of bad um, assessment or, or analogies being floated in, in the American press. Oh, well, this is a civilized country. Ukrainians watch Netflix and so on, as opposed to, say, Syria, which, you know, according to the American media is, is, is full of barbarians. Right. But there is one aspect that makes this war different, which is a lot of Russians in the armed services, in the special services, in all levels of society, government. Uh, institutions, whatever, are Ukrainian by background, yeah. uh, and I can tell you, I, I you know, I'm one of the guys I've interviewed from my book on the GRU is Christo Grozev of Bellingcat. One of the ways that he was able to, to receive all of these uh, dark web databases of passports and driver's license and tax information from which he then derived identities for the GRU assassins who did Skripal or coups in Montenegro or sabotaging arms and, and ammo depots in Czechia and Bulgaria is he actually guilted some of these people. He looked for those who had who Ukrainian surnames and told them, this, this, your government did MH17. Don't you feel terrible about this? And they said, yeah, we kind of do. So they just they gifted him yeah. dark web database. You know, this is the thing. Russia is very vulnerable right now because this is a war against a country and a society that by Vladimir Putin's own lights. Right. I mean, that, that essay he wrote 7000 words last summer. We are one people. Well, you're never you've never been one people. But if, if that's the way you think, mate, then you've basically your legacy is going to be a devastating civil war. No worries, man. I know it, things are tight for you, and you've got a lot of um, interview requests. So we'll leave it there. John Sweeney, um, live from Kiev, about to do another interview. It seems, with his funny orange hat. You see, it's, if if you were in New York with that hat, that's almost like what they had at the Women's March in 2016 to oppose Donald Trump. Almost. It's not quite the right color, but it's, it's nearly there.
2: Okay, I need
1: to go. Love from Kiev. Cheers. Bye. Be safe.